we welcome the Holy Spirit, and yet we believe the Holy Spirit's already here. He is here with us now. We just want to become more aware of him, aware of him in our presence as we worship, aware of his presence in our life. It's a beautiful thing. Today's scripture reading comes out of the Gospel of Mark. Turn with me to chapter 6. We're going to read outside of uh, the lead up to Jesus' death and resurrection. There's not tons of stories that find its way into every gospel account of Jesus' life. This is one of them. Out of Mark chapter 6, we are going to read about the feeding of the 5,000. We're going to start in verse 30 of Mark 6, and I invite you to follow along with me as we read through verse 44. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized him and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Then Jesus landed and saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fishes. Or two fish. I forgot. Fish is not plural. My bad. That's a a Texas coming out of me. Apologize. (laughs) Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. He then gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. As you are, we do have Kingdom Kids today, which is our ministry for children who are four years old through second grade. They're going to gather over here and head to our Christian Life Center next door. They're going to have a chance to learn and worship at their level, and they'll have a great time over there with our Kingdom Kids workers, and they can be picked up after service today. We always love that noise. So good. So good. Uh, As many of you know, uh, on Sundays... Both last year and this year, I'm preaching out of something we have read the previous week in our annual reading, scripture reading plan. And so if you're not on that annual scripture reading plan yet, I encourage you to get on it. Uh, You can pick up a book in the back, and it looks like, i got to turn the page so you can see the cover. This is what it looks like, and it's got daily, daily reading, five days a week, a place to record scripture. Uh, a place to record prayer requests, or, or prayer cards, excuse me, 
as well as journal entries. All that explanation is in the book. So if you pick up the book, it'll have all, all that in there. Let me also mention if you have kiddos, uh, Miss Rosemary, a children's minister who did the announcements earlier, she put together a, a journal slash reading plan for them. And so it has a, a great place for them. And, and we're encouraging, uh, teen, once they get to be teenagers, they can read all of it. But especially for the little ones, either they're reading it themselves or parents are reading it to them. Uh, maybe you just follow along with the um, New Testament scripture reading. Uh, that will um, kind of get them in on the ground floor because out of that New Testament scripture reading will come the sermon each Sunday. Okay, so that's a, those also are in the back. They look very similar to this, but it will say that it's for kids down here. And so you can pick one of those up for your kiddos today. If you get back there and we run out and we do have to re do a reprint pretty soon, but if, if we don't have either the adult or the kid version of the reading plan, if you just let us know, all of our contact information is on the bulletin. Just send us a text or an email. Let us know that you tried to get one, uh, and we'll get it to you if you're watching on Facebook. Or if you want to go online, you go to fbckennedy.org slash Bible, and both the reading plan for adults and teens and the reading plan for children are on the website. You can actually download it from there. And there's actually some other good resources on that page that, are, that is worth checking out. All right. Well, let's pause and pray together, and then we'll dive into uh, this incredible story. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the chance to be together on Sundays. You have blessed us as believers with Sundays as the Lord's Day together and worship. And also an opportunity for those who are not yet believers to come and hear and learn and see what you have for them, God, which is grace. Father, I pray that you would speak to us today. Help us to see ourselves in the lives of these servants of yours. Show us how we can be more like Christ in our everyday lives. And in that way, we might honor you. This is what we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm just going to jump right in this morning. There are going to be times where God calls you and me to serve when it's inconvenient, when it's difficult, when it's challenging. He is going to call us to serve. He's going to call you to serve your family, your wife, your kids, your, your husband, your, your extended family, children. He's going to call you to serve your parents. Parents, he's going to call you to serve your kids. God is going to call you to serve when you don't feel like serving. Amen? That's just, some of you know that better than that. Come on. Amen? Right? Amen. You know that. God is going to call you to serve when you don't feel like serving. Not only that, but God is going to call you to serve often enough in ways that you don't feel like you can serve. That it's beyond you. Every parent knows what that's like, right? When you, when you take that kiddo home and you realize they really don't come with instruction manuals, that first kid, I don't know really how to do this. I, I hope I can just kind of get them into, you know, into the toddler phase. Or I can just get them out of this baby phase. And then each phase you're raising a child. I don't know. I don't know how to do this. It's beyond me. When you're first married and everything went great in the courting phase and now the romance is starting, you know, that's starting to fade a little bit. And you got to keep loving and serving that person. You don't know how to do that. It feels beyond you, doesn't it? Or you're in that new job, you got that promotion and, and you're trying to figure it out. I don't know how to do this. This is beyond me. But God has placed you there to be his servant. Every one of us are going to go through moments and phases in our life where God not only calls us to serve when we don't feel like it, but he'll call us to serve when we do feel like it, but we don't know how to do it. It's beyond us. It stretches us. 
And this story deals, I think, with both. How can we serve when we don't feel like when we don't feel like it when we don't feel like we can do it? I think the feeding of the 5,000 shows us both. And there's four, four. Four big ideas from this story and scripture that I think can help us from the scriptures to serve when we don't feel like doing it and when we don't feel like we can. And the first one that we see is that we serve through weariness and weakness. Oftentimes we are not serving through strength and rest. Those moments of service come when we're worn out. And we don't want to miss that opportunity to serve just because we may not feel up to the task. Now, a little background of what's happening here with Jesus and his 12 disciples. Uh, A couple weeks ago we covered this, that Jesus sent out his disciples, these 12 in particular, two by two, to go out and minister in his name. And now they have spent some time ministering and now they have come back to give a report to Jesus. That is number one. So the disciples themselves are tired. Another thing that's just transpired is that word has gotten to Jesus that John the Baptist has been beheaded. We've covered John the Baptist's story several weeks ago. You can go back on the website and listen to that, that message. I talked a little bit about his death. But John the Baptist and Jesus, not only were they kinfolk, but they had a special connection in ministry because John the Baptist is the one that paved the road for Jesus. And in fact, several of Jesus' disciples were at one time John the Baptist's disciples. And John the Baptist said, look, he's the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. I must decrease. He must increase. And he had no problem. He wanted people to begin to follow Jesus. And Jesus would say of John the Baptist, there is no man born of woman greater than he. He would also say, the, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John, but he had that kind of esteem for John. And now word has come that John the Baptist has been beheaded. In fact, in one of, uh, one of the gospels, I can't remember which at the moment, but you can look it up. One of the gospels actually tells us that it's the death of John the Baptist that sends Jesus out into the wilderness to go out with his disciples and pray because of the immense discouragement. Now, something we did read in Mark's gospel is Jesus gathers his disciples. They're giving the report. John the Baptist, the news about him comes. And then we also read that things are are so chaotic around him, around Jesus and his ministry, that they didn't even have a chance to sit down and eat together. Now, that shouldn't be altogether surprising, right? Jesus is in the miracle working business. We talked about this before. Jesus had two main ministries. One was the preaching and teaching of the word of God. And one was his healing miracles ministry. And so if you can teach and preach like nobody has ever heard. And you can do things like make the lame walk. Make the blind see. Rise the dead. If you can do stuff like that, you're going to gather a crowd, right? And he would. He gathered such a crowd that they couldn't even have a moment together to eat as disciples and rabbi or teacher. All of that is taking place. Just imagine. Some of you say, I don't have to imagine. Now, that's, that's not specifically my life, but I know what it's like to be worn out, to be tired, to be discouraged, to be grieving. Does that let us off the hook to serve, though? Jesus didn't think so. 
When Jesus saw these folks, what did he say of them? Or at least uh, recorded to us what was going on within him. Verse 34, Jesus saw this large crowd. They tried to get away, right? We need a break. We need a rest. Let's go. Let's Let's get out of town. They tried to get away. But the crowd followed them. Beat them to their spot. Now, if that's you or me, we're probably irritated, right? I just need a break from these people. They are asking so much. You know, all they, they're here for the miracles. They're not here because Jesus is a nice guy and they really like Jesus. Seems pretty cool. Seems like, you know, he's got his stuff together. Uh, they're not there for that. They're there for the miracles. Jesus knew that. And so if that's you or me, I think, you know, I'd be a little annoyed by that. I keep giving and keep giving and you people just keep wanting to take. That's maybe what I would think or feel. But not Jesus. All those things happening in Jesus and in his ministry. And what does he say or what does he think when he sees this crowd that's beat him to the other side of the Sea of Galilee? Verse 34, he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Now in the other gospel accounts it will tell us that not only did he teach them many things, but he healed them. Jesus is once again pouring out his life for these folks. He didn't let the fact that he was weary and tired keep him from serving. So... That speaks directly to us because we're going to feel that. God is going to call us to serve people in our life and we say, let me get a nap first. That's not an altogether bad idea. Don't get me wrong. Right? But sometimes we will use our busy and hectic and exhausting lives to keep us from serving people. And if we're following Jesus, his example is he served anyways. Here's... There, there was a moment in Paul's life, if you know anything about Paul, he was a, an apostle, which, which we're reading about these 12 apostles. Apostles were people who were sent out upon the authority of someone else. So these 12 disciples or apostles were sent out on the authority of Jesus. Remember when they came back and gave that report? Well, Paul is an apostle who comes after Jesus' death and resurrection. And the resurrected Jesus meets Paul. Paul becomes a Christian and becomes a missionary and goes out and starts planting churches. Paul went through his own hardships. We won't get into all that. But there was a particular point in which Paul said, God, this is hard. I've got this thorn in my flesh. We don't really know what that was. There's, a, a, I think, pretty good speculation that the sight of Jesus was so blinding on the road to, road to, Damas- to Damascus that he never fully recovered from that. And he had eyesight problem the rest of his life. And that caused problems in his ministry, challenges in his ministry. There's some speculation that maybe that was the thorn in the flesh that he would talk about in his letter to the church in Corinth. We don't know. But we do know that Paul, Paul says, I've got this trouble. I've got this challenge. And I'm frustrated. And God, I just, I want you to take it away. And he prayed that more than once. If you know the reference, then you know what God said to him. Paul records it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. 
He's, he's saying, this is the response that the Lord gave me. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Thank you, Lord. I'm tired today that I get to serve not in my strength, but in his strength. That's hard to say. Let's be honest. That is not an easy thing to say, is it? That is, that is difficult to say. Thank you, God, that I'm worn out and exhausted and I get to serve my family, not in my own strength, but in your strength. Let me boast about the strength that God gives, not in my own strength. That's not an easy thing to say. Lord, I've run out of patience with this co-worker or this classmate, but thank you. Thank you that I've run out of patience. That way I can lean into your patience so that I can love them and serve them the way you would want me to do that. That's not easy to say, but you can do it. It's not easy, but you can do it. How can you do it? In his strength, through prayer. To access God in that moment where you're so exhausted and you do not want to serve anymore. To say, Lord, I need your help. I need your strength. Jesus would say it this way. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I'm going to give you the rest that you need to serve in my name is what he's saying. Isaiah would say it this way. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. So when God calls you to serve and you just don't have the juice to do it, go to him and ask for the help. That he might get the glory. For what he does through you when you don't have it. Second thing. These will get shorter, by the way. Because I know you heard four and you're looking at your clock and you're thinking, are we going to get out on time? They're going to get shorter. Don't worry. The second thing that I see in this passage is good for us to keep in mind is not to take the easy way out. Not only is it challenging often to serve the Lord when we're tired, but sometimes God asks us to do things that seem impossible. It's not that we don't have the energy. It's we just don't have the ability. I say, God, how? How am I to do that here? That feels impossible. So there were options. When they showed up and they saw all these 5,000 5, men, right? So you assume, you know, there's, there's women and children in this mix as well. So it could balloon up to 10, 15,000, maybe more people there. And the disciples are looking at this and they're like, easy option A, send them home. Send them back to wherever they came from or to the nearest village. It's getting late. Send them out. Let them get their food. They'll be fine. And, uh, you know, maybe we can resume tomorrow or something. I don't know. Maybe that's what they were thinking. But they, they for sure said, option A, get them out of here. <laughs> option B, they said, uh, and I, I, this just hit me when I was reading it. I was like, oh. This was an option. Uh, they say to them, or, or they say to Jesus, should we go and buy food for them? Uh, and, and Jesus, they say it's going to take a half year's wages, which is a denarii. A, don, a denarii would have been a, a day's wages for kind of the average laborer, right? And so they say to, they say to Jesus, should we go and buy food for all these people? It's going to take a half year's wages. Now, what they don't say is we can't do that. It seems as if they did have the money to do that. Now, what does that tell us? It tells us 
Option A is the easiest option, send them home. Option B is the second easiest option, but it's still a pretty challenging one, which is we go buy their food and we bring it back to them. Right? We're going to Uber Eats this situation. That's what we're going to do, right? That all made sense from a human point of view. Maybe you know the proverb, Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that appears right to man, but in the end it leads to death. There's a way that makes sense to us, but God doesn't always work on our wavelength, does he? Often enough, his ways are higher than our ways. His thinking is greater. His perspective is better. So we look at what God asks us to do and we say, God, I can't do that. Because we are looking from a human point of view of what we can afford. What we have. What we can do in our own strength. And we say, I can't do that. I can't serve those people. I can't serve in that way. I just can't do it. But there is a third option. You could send them home. You could buy the food. Or... You can just trust Jesus and do what he said to do. That's an option too. A challenging option. Not the easiest one. It is the most difficult option of the three by far. But just as in the first one, when we serve in the Lord's strength, the Lord gets the glory. Also, when we serve in the Lord's ways... The Lord gets the glory. When we are able to do what we could not do in our own ability, but God shows up, God gets the credit. And Jesus is inviting them into a miracle they would never forget. And they, like you and me, we're we're looking for the easy way out. Maybe God has something different in mind. Third thing. What is that different thing? In this situation... It was to take a, a kiddo's lunch. Now, I don't know if the kid offered it, you know, or just one of the disciples said, okay, we're going to commandeer your pale lunch here. And, uh, you know, it's not much, not nearly enough. If it, if it was enough for one kid, there's, there's no way this is stretching to 15,000 people or more. There's no chance, right? This is the other way. This is the third way. What Jesus invites them to do is go and look and see what's out there. Bring it together, and let's see what we got. What Jesus is essentially saying is, I know what you don't have. Let's see what you do have. Let's see what you do got, right? We will get so fixated on what we do not have when God calls us to serve in ways that are beyond us that we forget about what God has given us. What has God given you? If it's the ability to teach or or if it's the ability to preach, or it's the, uh, if it's the gift of hospitality, or it's the gift of humor, or, or what, do, what did God give you? He didn't leave you empty-handed when the Holy Spirit came and dwelled in you. He gave you gifts. He wants you to use those gifts to serve other people. What are those gifts? What do you have? What are your fish and loaves? No, it's not enough to meet every need everywhere. God's not asking you to do that. What he's asking you to do is enough. Once you get clarity on that, what is the thing God's asking me to do? Not only do I have his resources, I have the resources the Holy Spirit has put inside of me. What are they? What do I have that I can give? You know, it kind of reminds me of the story of Moses. When God calls Moses 
to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt. You, you probably know this, but Moses had excuses, right? He was not interested in finding a way. He was interested in finding a way out of it. That's what he was trying to do. He said, and I'm just going to mention a couple. I won't mention all of them. But one of the things Moses says is, who am I? Essentially, I'm a nobody. I can't help these people. Yes, they're my people, but I, I can't do it. Then he also says in... Please, Lord, this is a direct quote from chapter 4, verse 10. Please, Lord, I've never been eloquent. He says, I can't, I can't do it. I can't speak. I can't talk. That's not my thing. We can come up with excuses by focusing on what we do not have or cannot do, our inadequacies within ourselves. Or we can say, what has God given me? What did, what did the Holy Spirit implant in me so that it can be used to serve others in my home, in my church, in my place of work, at school? What has God given me? Because God has given you something as a Christian to serve. Now, you probably could have figured all this out. I want to point to something that just hit me when I was going over this passage. Is what happens next? Now remember, it's not just the things that we feel like we cannot do. It's also when we feel like we just don't have the energy to do it. We're tired, we're exhausted. Remember the scenario in which Jesus is entering into when he comes across these 5,000 uh, men, 10, 15, maybe 20,000 people that he's, that he's going to minister to, he's going to preach to, he's going to heal and he's going to help feed. Is that he's already worn out. He is on his way for a break with his disciples. Here's about John the Baptist. The disciples are exhausted coming back from their mission work. Everybody's just going crazy trying to get around him, trying to get something from him. They can't eat. And they're on their way to a break. Now this is going to happen to us in life. Now, all of, all of that which we have said, I stand by 100%. But here, here's something else we got to understand. Is that Jesus gave up his rest to serve others. And God is going to call you to do the same sometimes. But, look what happens next. Uh, this we didn't read. But I'll read it now. Mark chapter 7, verse 45. <clears throat> the masses have been fed. They've even got stuff left over. They're picking up the baskets. they got 12 baskets. Each disciple is carrying a basket of leftovers. Incredible miracle. Verse 45. Immediately after this, right? Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on the mountainside to pray. Now, here's what I get from this that I want to encourage you with. There are going to be times you're going to have to give up your rest and relaxation to serve. But if you do not go and get plugged back into the Lord, you will soon be running on empty. And I've been there. Some of you have been there too. It's hard. You cannot give what you do not have. So if you keep emptying that tank and you never refill it, all the stuff we just talked about becomes impossible. Because that whole weakness 
strength thing. The strength comes from God. Your connection to God. Your time with God. That's how you're going to get that strength. To understand the gifts that the Spirit has given you, that's going to come through a relationship with Him. And if you don't make time and space for those things, if you don't make time and space for your relationship with God, you can only press through exhaustion so many times before you break. See, here's the other side of it. While some of us like to make excuses and we want to say, that's too much, I can't do that, not me, I don't have what it takes, some of us will keep giving until we're in a deficit. The tank is below empty. You've given everything you got and then some. You're out of juice and you're not refilling. Look at what Jesus does. He misses his opportunity for rest and relaxation. He doesn't let himself off the hook. He knows he's got to get back to that. He's got to get back. And this is not like rest and relaxation, vacation, that kind of stuff. All good stuff. No, this is, this is refueling in the presence of God. This is what he's doing. He's going to the mountainside to pray. This is the whole idea with Sabbath. That God gave us a gift in that day off. Not to have a day off from work as much as have a day on with Him. To be in His presence, to be refueled by Him. To enjoy Him. To be filled up with Him. And then guess what? Now you're filled up and you can be emptied again. But if there's never that filling, eventually there's never any giving. you got nothing left. You have to be refueled. And I want to challenge each and every one of us to find time every day to be recharged in the presence of God, to talk to God, to read His Word, to pray. This is simple stuff. This is Christianity 101. This is what you ought to be doing, but if you're not, you're probably feeling this weariness and having a hard time giving anymore because you gave all you had and you're not being refilled. Those times of depletion have to be met with times of refilling. It honors God. It helps you to enjoy Him. It helps you to find joy in serving Him. Because you're no longer serving out of a deficit. You're serving out of the overflow of God's work in your life. This should be a part of every day of your life. Is that you're refilled a little bit by the Lord. This should be a part of every week that you take a day, or at least a half day, where you say, I'm not doing housework, uh, I'm not doing uh, church work, I'm not doing uh, you know, schoolwork, if that's possible. You should have an opportunity to, do not, to not do schoolwork on one day a week. I'm not, I'm not going to do work work. I'm going to take one day. This, again, this is not so that you can lounge and do nothing. Though that certainly should be part of your day off, of your day with the Lord. It is so that you can be filled in the presence of God. And praise God if that includes a nap. But it should also include a fair amount of scripture and prayer, meditation on the word of God. Worship, if, if, that, if you love worship and song, that should be a part of that time with the Lord. It may be that you're exhausted and tired because you haven't been, been filled up. And God is inviting you to do that. He wants you to be filled up with him. 
He wants your life to be filled with him. In fact, that's the very reason Jesus came, was that your life could be filled with God. And I find it interesting in here that there's a... Uh, there's this moment where they get the fish and the loaves, right? They've gathered the, the, uh, the lunch, the sack lunch. They brought it over. And um, listen, listen to the words that Mark uses to describe what takes place starting in verse 41. These are the words, the, these are the actions of Jesus taking the five loaves, taking the five loaves and the two fish. Looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. And then we read that it's distributed. What does that tell us? That sounds an awful lot like the Lord's Supper, doesn't it? When he takes the elements of the Lord's Supper and he blesses them and he distributes them. Now, what is the Lord's Supper? I wish we were taking it today, but we're not. But what is the Lord's Supper? It was, it was Jesus taking the Passover, and we don't have time to get into that, but it's Jesus taking the Passover and, in a sense, fulfilling the meaning of the Passover. That there is a lamb that comes to take away the sins of the world. The body represents, or the bread represents his body, the cup represents his blood. He's saying, I'm being broken and poured out for you. Why is he doing that? So that your life can be filled with him. That's why he's doing it. What keeps your life from being filled with God is sin. What Jesus does on the cross is he takes your sin to the cross. He, he is taking that which keeps you from being filled with God upon himself so that you can have the presence of God in your life. And when you fill yourself up with God, you have what you need in him to serve even when you're tired. Even when you don't think you have what it takes, there is God present in your life. It's not always easy. It's not always clear cut. You're not always sure. But when you have that connection with him and you know you can say, God, help me. God, give me strength. Give me what I need. I don't know what to do. Give me wisdom. When you have that kind of connection with him, when you don't know what to do and you don't think you have what it takes and you're tired and exhausted, you've got one you have been turning to. One that will fill you. And you will have in him all that you need to serve in the name of Jesus. Which is exactly what God designed you to do was to do good works in the name of Jesus. That's not the only thing. It's not even the primary thing. But it is a thing that God is calling you and I to do is serve. And we look to the one who served first. As you know, one of my favorite verses in all of scripture, Mark 10, 45, where Jesus says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. How does he enable us to do that? The conclusion of that verse. And give his life as a ransom to many. Him giving his life is how he fills you so that you can pour out of your cup into others. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this incredible story and how to the best of their ability, the disciples responded. With the encouragement of Jesus, the help of the spirit, they responded. And we want to do the same. God, I imagine there's some, some faces and some situations that have been rolling around in our minds where we just, just the thought of serving in those ways or those people just have us worn out. Or there, there's some scenarios that, that have been uh, just running through our brain that just, we're just thinking, how, Lord, can I do what you want me to do in this situation, in this situation with this person? God, fill us up.
fill us with your Holy Spirit and help us to see that that asking those questions to you is exactly the right thing we need to be doing. Waiting upon you for strength, asking you for wisdom, that's exactly what we need to be doing. And in your way and in your time, you'll give us all that we need to serve exactly in the ways you've called us to serve. This we trust in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we enter into a time of invitation as I just, just shared with the Lord in prayer. What are those places? Where, who are those people that you're struggling with to continue to serve? Ask God for the help that you need. Have you examined your life and asked, am I filling myself with the Lord? Or do I just keep trying to run on empty and it's not working? To re-examine your life so that you can give God your attention that he may fill you up. Or maybe for some, for the first time, to, to realize that's what Jesus did for me. He came to serve me. He came to give his life for me. I want that. I want that relationship. I want to be filled with God. Maybe that's you today. Whatever the Lord has laid upon your heart, uh, this time of invitation is a chance for us to respond and talk to him. And if you need prayer, I invite you to come down to the front. I'd love to pray with you. You can pray at the steps by yourself and pray with somebody next to you. However the Lord leads, let's respond to him now in prayer. Would you stand with me for our invitation?